The year 1953, a plane touches down at Smithies Airport in Sydney. On board is an American named Lee Gordon. The Australian music scene will never be the same again. From then until now, these are the stories. G'day, g'day, this is Sheldon the Kangaroo Kid and you're listening to the All Australian Music Stories. This is part two of the episode on Ted Maori. If you haven't listened to the previous episode, go back and have a listen to that one first. This episode focuses on the second phase of Ted's career as the leader of the hugely successful Ted Maori Gang. As a solo artist, Ted had already experienced chart success with five hit singles. However, the best was yet to come and this episode is all about TMG. With an army of fans, TMG stood alongside contemporaries such as Skyhooks and Sherbet in terms of popularity, and the links with ACDC are many, including TMG's founding members Les Hall and Herm Kovacs, starting out with a band with the legendary Malcolm Young. This was the days prior to Malcolm allowing his bratty little brother Angus up on stage. The Ted Murray Gang achieved massive chart success, including the number one hit song, Jump In My Car. All up, they had 10 songs to make the ARIA Top 40, with four albums also charting. I hope you enjoy listening to the career of the Ted Maori Gang. Jump in my car I wanna take you home mm, Jump in my car it's too far to walk on your own No thank you sir Ah come on, I'm a trustworthy guy No thank you sir Oh little girl, I wouldn't tell you no lie I know you can't How can you say that we only just met? Ooh, she's got me there but I'll get her yet I got you there No you didn't, I was catching my breath And look it's starting to rain and baby Nothing to try And you'll arrive home nice and dry mm-hmm. Jump in my car I wanna take you home Come on, jump in my car It's too far to walk on your own It's
So after releasing six singles and two albums as a solo artist, Ted recruits Herm and Les and the TMG is formed. I, th- I think it's a great name, the gang. So how did the term the Ted Mowry gang come about, not the Ted Ro- Ted Mowry band? Not very bad, Ted Mowry band or Ted Mowry group. Or, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, that's it. you know, I think it's a great name too. I think the gang yeah. is, is a great um, name. I'm trying to think whether gang is American or, or British because – I mean, Ted had been in Australia then for about eight years, seven years or something like that, six to seven years. So, of course, he's still got that British background. So I'm thinking gang is really, you know, an, an English thing that, that came okay, with yep, it. You know, yep. it wasn't necessarily an Australian term, Yeah. you know. Um, so that's what I'm thinking. Uh, why it was gang, I don't know, but it, it, I think it's great. It would, I mean, we, we think of it now, we look back at it now and go, it is a great name. Um yeah, I mean, I think it's a great name, TMG, like Ted Mulry Gang. Because I, 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 at the beginning it was Ted Mulry and the Gang. Okay, and yeah. Then it sort yeah. of morphed to Ted Mulry Gang. You yeah. Know? But it's great to, to say, oh, the Gang. And I suppose there's a, a good tip of the, the, the lid to, to Herm and to Les for him to be such an established star and then to say, well, now these guys are equal. That's right. And he treated everything that way. It was actually a democracy. So everything, every decision was a democratic one. So whatever idea came to the band, it was voted on as a band rather than Ted going, well, it's my band, we're doing this. Yeah, my yeah. name's on the front. Yeah, you're just yeah. part of the gang, boys. So in that respect, he did um, – he, it was inclusive. Like he, he respected everybody's opinion in the band um, as a unit, you know, which I think is fantastic, you know. Well, you hear the stories from Ronnie Clayton, the roadie for the group. Yep. And same thing, he was treated as an equal. He wasn't just a, he was, someone to lug the gear in. He was he was treated as part of the He gang. was the fifth member. Yeah. He was the fifth member uh, of the band and he did a lot for the band, still does do a lot for the band. Um, he was he he was the driver. He'd drive the gear. He'd set it all up on his own, pull it all down on his own and drive to the next place while they're having a good time. You know what yep, I mean? Yeah, Ron did a lot of work and still does. And, yes, he was treated as an equal and uh, and rightfully so. He's, he was with TMG before TMG started. He was with Velvet Underground. Oh, okay. So, yeah, so that's how he came in. So he came along with the band basically, with, with Herm and, uh, and Les. So, yeah, now it's a great history because, as we said before, it's a guy's seen a couple of budding young musicians and, and he's already been a star. Ted's a that's star. Right. And he already had hits, that's right. So the band's debut album is called Here We Are and the first single from the, the Ted Murray gang is Sunday Evenings. Mm. It comes in at a, a lowly 87 on the charts, but mm. still it's a start. It's a very Beatles type song. It and is. It's, One of my favourites. Well, it's a lot different to the, the last song, I Won't Look Back. Yeah. Again, different it shows, feel. Yeah, it shows the diversity of Ted's music, basically. Correct. And his writing styles. Yes, it's, you could tell it was the same, probably the same person maybe, you know, but that song is very different to I Won't Look Back. Won't, I Won't Look Back was a real rambling, you know, really going for it. Yep. Heading down the highway, going to take a few days out of town, you know, that kind of thing. And then 
Sunday evenings was, I remember not so long ago. It's like a, not I wouldn't say a children's pantomime thing, but it's just a sort of, it was more lighthearted. And I think, I really like that song. But yes, it didn't sell well as a single. Sunday evening may not have set the charts on fire, but on this album was a song called Jump In My Car. Fortunately, a DJ, might have been Newcastle, um, I can't think of the person's name, I'm sorry if you're listening. Uh, Barry Chapman? It it might have been Barry Chapman. Yeah. Liked that and started playing it. And then basically they said, well, let's release it, the the, um, record company. And it was the biggest hit they ever had. Six weeks at number one, I think. Well, 11, 11 at number one. Oh, was it? Yeah, and, and it's knocked Abba's Mamma Mia off the charts. Yeah. Well, it knocked them from, from number one. Number it, one. It had been cemented at number one, and then it's knocked it off number and one. And stayed there. And stayed right. there. So 11 weeks, and then you think about that, that's almost three months at almost number three months. one. Like, if you've got a song that's that crazy. stays that at number- That's crazy. wouldn't happen now, would no. it? No. Well, if you had a song that sat at number 40 for three months, you'd be happy. <laughs> let alone- Let alone number one. On number one, so- Yeah. yeah. And that, that, again, is a good reason to be um, thought of us going in the Ari Hall of Fame. Oh, exactly. <laughs> but, and, as we well, mentioned earlier, but um, off, off, uh, off air. But um, that, um, that was an amazing feat to do that. And the only Australian band, I think, ever to knock ABBA from number one. How did that song come about? Jump My Car. Yeah. Well, they were recording an album and um, the producer at the time, uh, I can't think whether it was Ted Albert or, or who was producing that album at the time, we went through all the songs and went, you know, we need another song. We're still a song short, really, for the, for the length the length of this album. We need another one. Do you have any more? And Ted said, "Well, yeah, but none of them are really suited to it." You know, they said, "Well, we need another one." So Les said, "I've got this riff." I just started playing, you know, something. We're not yeah. So we're not okay. So Ted, they were in another room. So Ted started writing lyrics. Twenty-five minutes later, there it was. Wow. 
And and you, when you think about how much is in that song, it would take you twenty five minutes nearly to write the song out if you if you if you had the lyrics in front of you, you just started writing them out. Yeah, there's that much lyrical content because it's a call and answer. Yeah, the guy yeah. sings, she sings, the guy sings, she sings. Well, actually, Ted sang all the verses, all all the vocals, all the girl voices are Ted. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. he sang everything on it. So on the original, so the Andrew sisters on it are actually Ted. Wow. So <laughs> it's. Because obviously live, it's the uh, the boys the backing boys. up. Yeah. But so yeah, so and that's a that's handy to know, or just when you, it gives you a different um, sound to it when you listen, thinking, yeah. well, that's Ted female, Ted male. That's sort right. Of thing. And he yeah. knew he knew in his head how he wanted it to sound. So rather than trying to explain it to others to come in and record it, he just did the whole thing. You know, overdubs, of course, do all the male verse first, and then come back and do the females and harmonise. You know, so he did all that, and that was a song that was a, it was written in the studio basically on the spot, and it became what it became. Jump in my car I want to take you home in my car It's too far to walk on your own No thank you sir Ah come on I'm a trustworthy guy No thank you sir Oh little girl I wouldn't tell you no lie I know you can't How can you say that we only just met Ooh, She's got me there but I'll get her yet I got you there No you didn't I was catching my breath And look it's starting to rain and Nothing to try And you'll arrive home nice and dry mm-hmm. Jump in my car I wanna take you home Come on, jump in my car It's too far to walk on your own On 
stage, how, how do the, the guys go backing it up? So I'm sure they've done it a million times now, so. Yeah. You know, when, when I mean, they hadn't played for 15, more than 15 years together when they decided to get back together. Over a period of, of that period, they'd been contacted many times. And of course, number one, who could have, who would they get in to do it, you know? And, you know, secondly, the, the guys really didn't want to do it without Ted. And so eventually, it was around about um, March or April, March, would have been probably March 2016, when Herm contacted me and said, um, yeah, just have a bit of small talk, you know, and said, uh, we're thinking of um, getting the, you know, doing the band. I said, yep, I'm in. <laughs> yep. And then I said to him, um, should I probably waited to see if you asked me first? You know? <laughs> so he said, no, that's terrific. He said, that's great. He said, He'd been talking to an agent. Well, an agent had contacted him and said, you know, they were, they were out watching um, Julie Anthony and uh, Shadow. Not the Shadows. Oh, the Seekers. The Seekers, sorry. Oh, sorry. yeah, Judith Durham. Yeah. Yep. Because, well, Judith was in the band originally, but then Julie Anthony took oh, over. Oh, that's right. right? Yeah. Yep. So they were watching that. I think it was Rudy Hill Aracel or something like that. And uh, he was over there, Herm and, and uh, the agent. And he mentioned, you know, he said, look at look at all the people in this crowd. You know, don't you think TMG could get back together? So talked about it, and then he talked about with it with les and you know they were oh yeah they said who would you get to sing well so we, we can't we wouldn't oh, they've told me since they said we wouldn't get anybody else other than steve if steve doesn't want to do it we don't do it and you were a different style of singer to ted as well very much so yep. yeah I'm, I'm quite a hard rock heavy metal singer you know yep. hey it's sheldon here guys sorry to drop in on the episode like this However, I just wanted to make mention of Steve's own career prior to TMG as the lead singer of the hard rockin' band, Black Label. The guy sure has a set of pipes on him, and he's a fantastic frontman in his own right. Here's Steve belting it out with Black Label. But fortunately, our voice, our ranges are very similar. You know, it's just the, the way that we project the songs. So I, I, I said yes, and the band got back together, and everybody's been happy. Like, it's just a great family of guys who are every gig, everybody's happy. You know, um, and uh, but yeah, I had to more or less relearn how to sing because I'd sang my way for thirty odd years. You know, and um, I then had to learn a more mellowish way of singing um more pop oriented but but i mean with my voice it's rock regardless do you know what i mean yeah but more mellow and to drop off as much as possible my vibrato because ted didn't use vibrato when he sang whereas i do all the time yep so i had to physically consciously think holding my notes straight without vibrato so that took a lot of effort but now it's no effort do you know yeah um again it was just a, a, a big learning 
curve. I'd, I'd get picked up all the time. Gary Dixon, who was exceptional in, in, in regards to vocal, you know, the, I'd sing and just have a bit of a waver and go, oh, no, you're using vibrato there. You should, oh. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. do it again yet. Yeah. So, yeah, it took me a little while to, to get it, but I, it's pretty good now. No one complains anymore <laughs> to me, so it must be all right. Well, it's in the Maori DNA. Must be, yeah. yeah. Must be. We must be related. Just getting back to jump in my car, the falsetto parts. As I said, it must be hard for the the gang to portray a, a woman, and as they're getting older, um, sure. it's harder to hit those really high notes. Yeah. So the way they do it now, if you really listen to it now, they're probably singing it a, a third lower. Right. You know? Okay. Yeah. So um, and they're not really using the falsetto so much. So more in a in a higher register of the of their chest voice. Um, and um, getting technical now with head voice, chest voice. But now uh, there's people listening that, yeah. that dig all that sort of stuff. So, so, so um, and I'm primarily a chest voice singer because I like guys who are beefy vocals, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, and um, so they they sing more in the high register of the chest into the into the throat, which can be damaging if you don't do it right. And and that's how they they do it. And again, nobody. Nobody says, oh, you didn't hit that note properly. They still sing it right, but yep. it's just not in the same pitch as where it was when Ted recorded it, you know. And it's the it's the guys from the original people, well, not Ted, but it's the original people doing it. So Correct, who were can't... there from the start. And that's one good thing about the band. Yes, I suppose it's hard for some people to get their head around to say, well, it's not the Ted Mulry gang because Ted's not there. Yep. And in a way, that's, that's correct. But the thing is, the entity, the band was called... Ted Mulry Gang, you know, it's it's actually the business name. It, it was the name name of the band. So TMG, Ted Mulry Gang. Yes, Ted's not there, but the songs are all the same. The ba- rest of the band is the same band. It's it's a band that recorded on the albums, so it is TMG. You say, well, do you, do you let the music die, like, or do you find a way how to reinterpret this music and yes. get it back out there? Because you know, I, I I can't speak for Ted, or, or no one could speak for Ted, but you would think that he would want his music out. Correct. And then the next thing you would say, well, I want my little brother to be singing it. Yeah. So you yeah. would think that he'd be giving it ticks in, you, in you, every you, instance. I'd hope so. Yeah. You know, that's the way I feel about it. Um, I mean, I feel honoured to be asked. I mean, the, the guys could very well have gone with someone else who, you know, could do the job, play bass and sing at the same time. Do you know what I mean? But I don't again, play bass. I don't think it would give it that same legitimacy that I, and that I agree with you singing as well. Yeah, I agree with you, and I'm glad they saw it that way too. Yeah, I've heard different interviews with people saying it's like you're opening your mouth and Ted's words are coming out. So, but again, I think that comes back from you being the same DNA as Ted. Yeah, so, yeah. as close to Ted as anybody yeah. could ever be. So, you know, and, and again, you. that's a great tribute to you as a singer as it well, because I'm sure people were looking at it and, and trying to find a reason yeah. why you shouldn't be singing these yeah. songs. Sure. And of course, I put effort in to sound that way as well. Yes, our, our voices have the same range, um, but our styles are different. But I put the effort in because the fans who come out to see this and hear the band want it to be the way it was. Do you know what I mean? Yep. And so it's not another band doing its interpretation of TMG songs. It's TMG playing TMG songs. Therefore, every component of it should be as close as it was. Uh, and that's why I do the best I can with my voice. And again, with the bass players we've chosen, both of the players who have played in a band so far were very good friends of Ted and appreciated the music 
and did the songs justice. Yep. Because one, one of the first bass players was Mark Evans, is that right? Mark Evans, yep. correct. Mark said yes straight away and uh, had the same bass as Ted as well. So it was really interesting. He, he played the same model bass and all that kind of thing. So it was quite interesting having Mark in the band. And Mark has some terrific stories when we were on the road um, with him touring. And, and so, uh, you know, he fit in really well because he was a, a good friend and a good – I'd known him for a while before that. And, you know, we all fit in really well together. But of course, he got um, he got a great offer from Rose Tattoo. I mean, you know, now he'd been touring Europe twice already okay. with Rose Tattoo, yep. so you know that's a great opportunity for him as well. Um, and then, of course, Tony Mitchell from Sherbet yep. has come in. So, I mean, there was a lot of um, closeness there as well, particularly as we mentioned earlier on with T- uh, Sherbet's first song that hit the charts, being a Ted song, and Tony really. Tony is more of a melodic player, very much like Ted was a melodic player. Um, Mark was a more straight-ahead player. Like, funnily yep. enough, he would fit in ACDC. Yeah. Um, and um, and Tony is a, is, a, is a very melodic player like Ted. And so um, he fits in beautifully. And again, we're trying to, to go back 30-odd years or 40-odd years, but I'm, I'm assuming both being bass players, touring together, they would have interacted musically, just yeah. looking at each other and and tips Off. and and yeah. and whatnot. So, again, it's someone that seen Ted was there. That was there was was the synergy Both of, of those it all. guys exactly were there. Yeah, and good friends of Ted. Yeah, and 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 again, it's it's great for Australian music that yeah. TMG is 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 back on the road. I think so too. I, I, more so, I think it's good for them. I I, I said yes. Initially, because all that time since they stopped playing, it was around about 2000 when they stopped playing, because that's when Ted was diagnosed in, late, in mid to late 2000. And um, they were younger. The, the, the band was younger than I am now when they stopped. Do you right. know what I mean? Yeah. So like yeah. Les was like 52 or something. And, do you know what I mean? And, and he was the next oldest next to Ted, if you know what I mean. So. And just to butt in for a second, yeah. though, because I think it's an important thing because band personnel changes a lot over time. Yeah. But the fact and, – and you say Gary had left the band at one stage, but Les and Herm and Ted were a gang from the start to the finish. From the very beginning. Yep. Yep, yep. And, and yes, Gary did leave. When we did the benefit concerts in 2001, Gary came back into the band to play bass to replace Ted. And Mark Tinson, who was in the band when the band stopped playing – played guitar so which was Gary's spot originally, right? So Gary came in and played bass for those two concerts. But when the band came back together in 2016, it was obviously going to be Gary because he was on the records. I think that that nucleus of those three guys is what makes the band. And I, I thought to myself, they deserve to be out there playing again because they were still so young when, the, when they finished as TMG um, that I wanted them out there. I wanted to see them playing again. And the fans did because there was a lot of talk on Facebook and different social medias, you know, TMG, TMG. There was different groups for TMG. So there was a small swell of people asking about, oh, when are you guys going to bring out – Steve, when, when will they bring out um, a box set? And I'm going, well, I don't really know. We, we were trying to do that anyway, do something about a box set of records, you know, yeah. or CDs or whatever. But um, when they said they want to get back together, that was it. For me, you know, I thought, well, finally, they they deserve it. And I, how can I say no? You know, yeah, yeah, they definitely. deserve to be out there. Well, when we, we look back at the television side of things and the success of TMG, 
they were fantastic for television, especially when color TV came in. Yeah. You know, we're talking about the fashion and, the, yeah. you know, they looked great. They, yeah. The music was great. And and shows like Sounds and Countdown, is yep. they, were, they were staples of this. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Even before that, there was another one called Uptight. I'm not sure whether, whether TMG got on. I think Ted may have got on Uptight. That was like late 60s, went into 1970, I think. And that was Ross D. Wiley was the guy who yep. used to be do that show Uptight. And then it sort of went to Sounds and... But yeah, as you said, the fashions, uh, the flares, all, all the satins, you know, bright colours, they were um, what you might call uh, glam. They were a glam band. Yep. You know, pop and, rock. And, you know, kids look back at that now and think, geez, <laughs> that looks a bit, I suppose, girlish or yeah, whatever. Yeah. But it was the time. It, was, the time, it was happening at the time. At the time, that was it. You know, the, the suite in England were, were like that. Uh, you know, there was other bands uh, that were in that um, – We'll call it a genre, the, the, the glam rock thing. And glam rock went on a bit further as well. I mean, even when heavy rock bands from America like um, uh, Motley Crue, they were a glam band when they first came out, yep, you know, yep. and then started wearing the denim jackets later, you know, like um, to get that more heavier edge to well, their I was look. talking about this with Sean from uh, Shortstack, and, and Shortstack, again, were a band that – that were all about about the music first, but then the fashion side of things came into it. Yeah. And what we were talking about is it's the entertainment business. That's what if, it is. If you want to look like you've just finished work and jumped up on stage, we'll go sing karaoke. Like ACDC. Yeah, well, <laughs> no, no. But they're the only one that could do it because that was their That their was niche. their thing and it was, yep. they were a working class band. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And even um, I've, I've heard Angry and, and the guys say that with Rose Tattoo that – they specifically went to op shops to get worn jeans and, yeah. you know, so. They were after was, a certain look. Is, exactly. And TMG took that, the glam look and there were really, there was Hush in Australia and, and other bands, but they weren't rocking like uh, TMG was rocking. That's right. No, you're right. And, and you're just saying about the entertainment industry. I, I, I played in a lot of original bands and um, I've done some cover sh- things as well. And, there's a lot of things on social media in particular, I, don't know, I hope you don't mind me going to this just for now, No. where people, you know, they go, oh, you know, cover bands doing the concept shows, doing this. And, well, if there wasn't an industry for it, there wouldn't, those bands wouldn't be there. And it's because people want to be entertained. And a lot of times they want to be entertained by what they know. And that might be unfortunate for today's musicians because it is sad in the sense that these days bands and artists don't get enough exposure as they did years ago. But people who are going out and spending the money to go and see bands are the ones from that earlier era who want to see bands be entertained by bands who do ACDC shows or Queen shows or, you know, or, or just do cover shows, you know. Um, it's, it is unfortunate, but to me it's entertainment. Whether it's original or a cover, it doesn't mean that much difference to me. It's entertainment. People want to be entertained. And if new artists can't grab that audience, then it's up to the new artists to get better. In, in another context, it's he who pays the piper calls the tune. So Absolutely. If, if you're putting money on the bar and you're, you're paying a, a ticket to go, to go into somewhere, well, of course, that venue's then going to book that yeah. same act again. Yeah. And, and it's the same. You know, there's, there's the Beatles tributes, the Elvis tributes. Sure. But if you don't have these tributes, you're never going to see this music again. And, of you course, won't. when you're seeing a, an Elvis tribute artist, you might be getting 50% of what Elvis was able to do, maybe 25%. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. But that 25%. And I think it's a bit better than zero percent. You know, so correct. You're right. 
And a lot of original musicians do cover shows so they can get some money. You know what I mean? Like they've played for years and years, learned their craft, spent hours in their bedroom, hours trying to get gigs, and no one shows. So to keep that passion alive that they can do sh- their own shows and no one comes, or maybe a few people do, they go and do cover shows where people go there and they, at least they get some people cheering at them and you also get some money, yeah, you know? Because exactly. cover shows earn more money, which is sad. It is a sad state. Oh, when, definitely, when definitely, yep. Uh, but it is usually frustrated original musicians who go and do cover shows. Well, TMG, they release a, a rock version of the Dixieland song from the 1920s, Darktown Strutters Ball. How did that come about, that song? Okay, that song was actually from 1917 when it was written by a guy called Sheldon Brooks. It was a jazz song. Not a bad name. And uh, yeah, it is a Sheldon. <laughs> How about that, eh? There we go. How about that? What a great name. There's another one. I don't think anybody would have a name like that, though. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> sorry, Sheldon. Um, yeah, 1917, it was a jazz song and it was a favourite, I think, of Herm's mum. And I think they were trying to, they were looking for a song to do that, um, you know, maybe a cover. Because sometimes a cover jump starts your, your career a bit more. Do you know what I mean? They'd had, they'd had Jump In My Car out. To follow that Jump In My Car, which was a novelty song, to keep the flow going, is sometimes hard to write one that, that keeps that going. So as a cover song, Herm said, what about this song? all sort of liked it and what they did was they slowed the song down because obviously a jazz song originally that song was like jazz combo type thing you know so they slowed it down so it was pick you up about half past eight but there was only one verse to the original song so ted wrote the second verse and the third verse is really the first verse repeated okay good old rock and roll yeah and um, that's how it became what it became. And, and, of course, it was a hit as well. It was a big hit, which ended up being a great follow-up to Jump In My Car.
Well, it reached number two on the charts. It did. And it only got stopped going to number one by Fernando. So yeah, well, funnily Ab- enough, it was yeah, a payback, wasn't yeah, it? Ever got their own back a bit. So, yeah. But at the same time, too, to get a song stuck in behind Fernando at number two, you, it you can't It isn't bad, is it? Yeah. It isn't bad. And a funny little thing that I heard in regards to that, when ABBA was out here, um, around about that time when Fernando was released, they got introduced to TMG, the, the boys, and um, whoever it was introduced them said, oh, your song Fernando has kept these guys out of the number one position. And they said, oh, we're really sorry. <laughs> you know what I mean? Really, yeah. They, they, they apologise. So, yeah. uh, so I think they're, they're very nice people by what I can hear. But, it's, it's, it, yeah, it was good that they, they met and they had something to talk about in regards to that, you know. But Fernando is a great song. What was that at number one for about 12 or 13 weeks or something? Yeah, exactly. So and- a bit of a payback. And it sort car. of shows, again, ABBA's, ABBA's music is totally different to TMG. So yeah. the people probably buying the ABBA songs weren't buying, weren't the buying TMG, TMG anyway. So it, That's right. They were hitting two different markets yeah. and it showed that they were probably the, the two biggest acts of that market. Correct. At that time. At that time, yeah. yeah, yeah. For sure. Until How's That came along. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> Ted recorded another song of a difference, a sing-along song, Diner. This must be a great song for you guys to play live, the call and response it is. We don't do it every show. Um, it takes several people to be calling out for it before we'll do it. It's not in a set, in a set list, but if enough people are calling it out, Les starts playing it. So then we got to do it, you know. And, of course, because we don't rehearse it with, with Tony Mitchell, yeah. Tony's got to go, right, how does this go again? So he's got to follow along, you know. But, yeah, it's a great song. And... Um, I've had I've done it a couple of times with, with my mum in the in the in the audience, and she's ninety four. So, but still, she um, she blocks her ears for the for the uh, good bits. Uh, <laughs> but um, look, that was a that was like a traditional, almost like a traditional football song that um, they just decided to put on an album, you know. And of course, all the all the um, naughty bits are bleeped out or scratched out or um, you know whatever. But it's an interesting little song, and, and it is um, everybody seems to like it when we do do it live. When you listen to the people in the uh, the the background of the, the, the studio, yeah. the recording, everyone's having a good time. They are. They are. A lot of those people were actually from the record company who were called in to be in there when they recorded. And so a lot of those people you hear laughing or carrying on, it's it's actually record company staff who were in the building at the time who hadn't probably heard the song before. Well, yeah. So they're they're laughing. So along, it's new to them. New to know. them. Yeah. Now what we'll do, 
and get down from there, thank you. <laughs> thank you. We'll do, we'll try it through with everybody singing along with us. Now come on, children. <laughs> Sing along with Teddy. Here we go. Mummy's going out, we can sing it loud now. <laughs> Quickly, throw some more petrol on her. She's going out. <laughs> One more time. Dinah, Dinah, show us your leg. Dinah, Dinah, show us your leg. Dinah, Dinah, show us your leg. A yard above your knee. Right, here we go. The rich girl. So TMG was one of the hardest working bands in Australia. By the end of the uh, the 90s, they had done 11 tours, national tours of yeah, Australia. pretty big. And, and that's not including, you know, just your your average, well, they, they would play four or five times a week. Sometimes yep. they'd play a couple of times on, on a per Saturday day. night yeah, per, per day. That's right. And that's right. So, but that's not including the, the 11 times that they packed up the van and they toured Australia. That's right. Going to these little whistle-stop towns that… Did a lot of that. And they were well known for that. Some stories that Ron Clayton could tell you, Ronnie DeRody, who could tell you, particularly with um, the shows they did out in the Outback. At that time, uh, there is one story I know of, and Herm can tell you this too, because Herm's writing a book at the moment. So, so is be, he okay? Well, that'd be great. Probably coming yep. out next year. Very good book. In that book, he'll, he says that stories of when they went into Outback towns, there were certain pubs at the time. You've got to remember this is the 70s, right, where Aboriginal Australians were not allowed in at that time. And, of course, TMG didn't like that. So what they did was, in between the shows, they'd pack up their gear between the next show and go out to the Aboriginal communities where they were and did free gigs. Wow, okay. Yep. For them because they weren't allowed in. Yep. And, of course, the pubs got their shit and said, why are you playing out there? You know, you know, like, they said, well, you're not going to let them in anyway. Yes, yeah, so they're not losing a ticket. So, so they went and they? did it for free. Yep. yep. Do you know what I mean? Um, of course, me and I all picked up on that, I think. Yeah. Well, it's like... <laughs> You know, as I always say, the uh, the premise of this uh, podcast starts when when Lee Gordon came to Australia, and he's touring Louis Armstrong, the greatest the greatest jazz wow. musician yep. ever, basically the yep. Satchmo. Well, there's places in Adelaide that wouldn't let him into the hotel. How crazy! To stay, you, you know, and you, you can't imagine it now, can you? And even even that you would think, well, okay, well. For some reason, you, you a white guy doesn't like a black guy, but usually when the, the star power comes into it, usually they forget all, forget all about the, that. The color disappears. Yeah, absolutely. But, but not, not in Australia. They nah. were like, no, 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 we don't care that you're Louis Armstrong. You're black. You don't come in here. Yeah. It's just, it's an incredible. And it's yeah. it's great that, you know, things aren't perfect now, but geez, they've, they've changed yeah. oh, a hell of a they've lot. They've come a long way. Yeah. Yeah, things aren't perfect. Uh, but, you know, that, that, 
you think back at that now and you just you can't imagine it. I mean, we know it was bad in America, yeah. you know, but you just don't think of it here, you know. Um, but that didn't deter TMG. No, well, it's good to know that they said, well, bug you in yeah. true rock and roll sense. And that's it. Here's a gift. Yeah. We, we play to who it's we want to play for everyone. To. Exactly. Yep. Regardless. So aside from touring, TMG are constantly in the studios. In 1976, for instance, they released two full-length albums. Two albums like it yeah. takes a, a band sometimes a couple of years to release an album. They've yeah. put out two in in the one year, and and that's on the back of constant touring as well. I think one was strutting and the other one was stepping out. Yeah, yep. And the, apparently, um, I'm not from the era, but apparently their style of music was called strutting, like the, yeah. the guitar, the strutting of the guitar. And, and when you hear that, now you listen to it and you think, you can understand yeah, there it. is a strut to that. Yeah, there's a strut to it. The thing was, the band were very, um, look, a lot of their influences, individually, they each had influences. Gary Dixon was a Beatles fan. Um, Les Hall was a, a Stones fan. And so was Ted. Ted liked the Stones. But also Ted's main influences were Free and um, Bad Company, um, that kind of thing. He was a big Paul Rogers fan. But overall, the band itself, the influence of TMG was status quo. Okay, yeah. In a, in a way, you yeah. know. And so Status Quo, Quo were a boogie band and TMG were very much in that boogie band thing. So a boogie, you're strutting in yeah. a boogie. Yeah, and that's where that sort of fits in uh, the strutting uh, as being a boogie band, you know. Uh, the first song that we start off with every night at the gigs uh, is um, My Little Girl and that's a boogie song. That's a shuffle, you know. Yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a shuffle, which is a boogie uh, type thing, and, and um, that's where that came from. So, yeah, it's just, they're a strutting band. And My Little Girl, I won't try and get out of order, but My Little Girl was the uh, first single released on the Mushroom label. Yes, it was. That's right, when they got signed to Mushroom, which is a that was quite a lucrative deal. That was probably the best record deal ever in Australia to that date. Keep coming for TMG, and on the Stepping Out album, there's the Stepping Out single, which yep. is which is a great song. Yep. Get my breakfast brought every morning. Sitting in a hotel room, laying in bed, scratching my head, wondering what I'm gonna do. Life's 
And then there's there's another song called Crazy, which yeah. is one one of the biggest hits, yeah. and probably their third biggest. Yeah. song that TMG released on the Albert's label is such a cool song, Jamaica Rum. Sit here on my own and sip your 
So to contrast the smooth groove of Jamaica Rum is the hard-hitting song Wanted Man. Mm. That's as rocky as any Aussie that song has ever song. been put out. Yeah, that is a great song. Um, it's a real cruncher, you know, like the guitars. It's real rock, you know, it's got that rock. It's ballsy. Yeah, it's yeah. ballsy. Yeah. Good song. CMG leave Alberts yep. and they sign with Mushrooms, uh, Michael Gudinski. Yep. And at, at that stage, everybody's anybody who's anybody is is pretty He's much with Mushrooms. With mushroom, yep. Yep. It was the time. It was sort of like a time for a change, you know. And, and a lot of bands must have felt that was the way to to go because he was an independent. You know, Mushroom was an independent, really um, enthusiastic, you know, and willing to push. He was on the musician side rather than the uh, the accountant correct, side. Correct, correct. Yeah. And I think, of, of course, that appeals to musicians, you know. Uh, and, and as you said before, the first album that um, TMG did with Mushroom was the TMG album. And if you have a look on the inside sleeve, I'm actually on the album. Oh, yeah, okay. I'm, yeah. The, little, I'm the baby on a motorcycle, pretend, <laughs> for, pretend motorcycle. And I think I'm also... Uh, oh, that's, that's, I'm actually sitting on, with my brother on his motorcycle. So, um, but the other, with the other one, on the, the kid is sorry, Ted, when he was a baby, sitting on, the, and I'm sitting with him on his motorcycle. So that was my first claim to fame, 1977 or might be and 77. Did you know? Did you know that you were going to be in the album? Or no, was it a not a at surprise all. for you. No, it was only you know when the album came out. Said, Mum said, "Oh, by the way, that's look, that's the photo I've got. That's you." I went, "Oh, jeez, I didn't even know," you know. But um, 
So did you used to get any of these albums earlier than most people or? Um, yeah, he normally would bring them over. Yep. Um, he'd bring one of the first copies over to mum, you know, mum still got them all. Um, and so we'd get to have a listen first and mum would give her a critique, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and because um, mum's very much into music as well. Uh, she was she could sing as well. So she'd, you know, give her a little bit of a critique about things. Oh, I'm not too sure about that one and, you know, this, that and the other. But um, obviously, you know, was very proud of everything that he did. To see your son or your children, it's including you, living their dreams and doing yeah. doing what makes them feel happy. Well, that's that's all you can ask that's for. That's great, in the isn't end, it? Isn't and and, and mum still comes to concerts now. As I said, she's ninety four. She's ninety five this month, this coming weekend. Okay. And well, um, I was in a band for nineteen years called Black Label, quite yep. a hard rock band. And she'd come whenever we played in Campbelltown at the the Bradbury Hotel. She. Be at right at the front, and people would go. How can she? Because we had big PA's, and you know, <laughs> yeah. and we were really hard rock. How can she sit there? You know, and she just loved it. Loves it. So, so who who's, who doesn't love rock and roll? Who doesn't love rock and roll? <laughs> That's right. The first single that they um, they put out with Mushrooms is My Little Girl, and it breaks into the uh, the top ten. So Gadinsky's happy. It's at number eight. Yep. Then they it was a strange one. They release a double sided uh, album or mm. double sided single, I should say. Yeah, with naturally yep. and Shalali. Shalali.
And, and what happens is half the country starts playing naturally, the radio stations. The other half start playing Shalali and yeah. the, the song only hits number 20. But if you look at it, both songs hit, hit in the early yeah. 20s. The interesting thing is in, in those days, of course, when you bought a single, you got two songs, right? I mean, these days when you, when you download a song, you buy one. Yeah. Right. So in those days, you bought two songs. Regardless of what the, the B side, you know, there's the A side, which is normally the radio song, and the B side, regardless of what the B side is, it sells as many as the A side. Yeah, true. Right? Yes. Even if it never got played on the radio in its life, yep. it sold as many copies as the A side. So realistically, when half the country's playing one song, half the, half the, they're, they're buying that one record. Yep. So, so, yeah, realistically, it would have sold well because of that. So who knows, it may have ended up being a number one if you look at it in that respect, f- from sales in, in a way, you know. But because it was, re- it was being sold as that one's coming up the charts and that one, each one sort of cancelled out the other to get to number one, but yeah. it probably sold enough to do it. Um, and Sha La 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 Lee was a cover song. Okay. So, well, same as Dark Tan Strutter's Ball, but, yeah. but it was a cover song. It was originally done by a band called Faces. Um, or was it Small Faces? Small faces, I'm thinking, and um, I love doing that song, and 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 the crowds now really remember it. Yeah. You know, um, it's a great song, Sha La 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 Lee. Victor up on a Friday night. Sha La 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 Lee. Again, it shows a diverse side to TMG. They can they can put a song out like Wanted Man, yep. or they can put out Shala Lee. So yep. it's, and it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't it, matter. Exactly. Exactly. One matter. rolls into the next. Yeah, that's right. Not a lot of bands could, could do that. There's something that I've come across, a promo for Aeroplane Jelly. <laughs> yeah. I've got a song that won't take very long. Quite a good sort of note if I strike it. It's something we eat, and I think it's quite sweet, and I know you are going to like it. I like aeroplane jelly, aeroplane jelly for me. I like it for dinner, I like it for tea. A little each day is a good recipe. Quality's high as the name will imply It's made from pure fruits, one more good reason why I like aeroplane jelly Aeroplane jelly for me
an iconic song it's in great. Australian advertising. And again, it goes to show what level of success they are at. If you've got an, an iconic company like Airplane Jelly getting a band like TMG to to do that to do that sort yeah. of thing. So because I'm sure that jingle to them was precious, you know oh, that it was their lifeblood, wasn't it? Yeah. That 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 song, that that jingle, as you said, was Airplane Jelly. Everyone knows it. Yeah, you know, in regards to, to to what that is for. So someone messing with that, you know, it wouldn't have seen, it wouldn't have gone down well if it wasn't good. But that's right. And, and again, it must have been great promotion for the band. Flexi discs were the the big thing of the day. Yep. It was, you know, if people don't know what flexi discs were, they were they were like a forty five, but you could bend them, and yeah, you know, they were micro thin. And yeah. So and I don't know how how you got it. You you probably had to buy ten different. Aeroplane jellies did. and you send probably, the label yeah, in. Yeah, and, and send the label in and get it sent to you, I suppose. Yeah. Again, it would have been great for the band because it would have probably put them in front of people that weren't naturally TMG fans. And That's all of right. a sudden they're – because yeah. everyone likes something for free. So if you yeah. they say buy 10, 10 jellies and, and you get yeah. a record for free, even if you don't like the record, you're still buying the jellies That's to get right. the record for free. Well, you've heard of bubblegum music. Now you've heard of jelly music. <laughs> exactly. The B-side to the Aeroplane Jelly Flexi Disc was a recorded interview with TMG. Let's take a listen. TMG on tour, and uh, we have TMG in the studio with us at the moment. And um, Ted, it's it's been a great period for uh, for TMG with um, Jump in My Car, Darktown Strutters Ball, Jamaica Rum, and now the last two. Uh, why do you reckon TMG has been so successful when other groups have come and sort of gone? Even though they may have had talent. They're Probably because I'm so good looking. It's <laughs> <laughs> the drama. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's, um, it's hard to say. Maybe we had a good start in putting things out when it was maybe just right. Maybe the, the company had a, the records out just at the right time. Mm-hmm. It's hard to say, really. You don't know any sort of special formula for the success? Other than the looks, no. <laughs> 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 we'll, uh, we'll plug the LP first. We'll give you a free plug here. You've got a new LP out on Mushroom. What's it called? Yeah, the TMG album. Mm-hmm. It's got nice little photographs of when we're all kids inside. and Google bugboards? Yeah, and it's uh, if you don't like the record, it's something to laugh at, the photos, anyway. Mm-hmm. And there's a double-sided A single from it. Yeah, Shalalalali and uh, Naturally. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Talking um, just about... Ted Mulry for a moment, um, without the rest of the group. Now, this is the second time that you've virtually tasted success. Um, there was Julia and Falling in Love Again. When was that, about 1970? 70, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, 70, Julia came out. 70, end of 71 was uh, Falling in Love Again. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that was Marcia around that and 50, 58, wasn't it? Yeah, it was 92. 1970 <laughs> <laughs> or 1870. Seems like a long time ago. I knew the guys, like Herman and Les, they were in a bank called Velvet Underground. I'd known them from... Like mm-hmm. seventy when I started, yeah. they were they'd been going for about fifty years then. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we teamed up with him when we met him on the comeback trial, <laughs> and we just sort of uh, all got on well, and we just oh, it just mm-hmm. happened. We so got was it, was we it all picked him up out the guy. Was it a, a band looking for a singer, Gary, or was it a singer looking for a band? Sing, uh, yeah, a bit of both actually. <laughs> um, it well, was it was just one of those things where we didn't say let's form a band. It yeah. just sort of happened we, you know there was a few gigs to do so we just got together and did them and uh, used to rehearse we like we had days off where we just play around in a in a shed just learning new songs for the hell of just playing it mm. and all those old songs and well, we we've, we've been together jobs. we just did uh, Matara a few weeks ago and that was our yep. fifth 
anniversary. So the band's been together five years now. Five years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Matara was our first gig too. Mm -hmm. The TMG sound, it's, um, it's been accepted right across Australia as a, a really good top 40 sound, for the want of a better word, uh, the strutting sound, I think somebody has referred to it as. Uh, how did this come around? Was it just by accident or is that just the sort of thing you like doing on stage, just moving uh, around to that beat? Just what happens when you've got um, speakers that are not good. <laughs> uh, it's just how we play, you know, it comes natural. So it comes naturally, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, right. oh, there's a pun. Um, sorry. Do you uh, prefer to write your own material or do you look at old songs that you may be able to revive, um, like Dark Town Stratus Ball? There's a few old songs around that you, you could do that are... Um, that are good, that you mm -hmm. can still do nice things with, like, you know, put a bit of beef in them, they probably come up all right. Diner. But, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, I think, on the whole, it's just a, the writing thing is just a, a hobby anyway. I mean, it's just something oh, we're doing. But we do prefer to write our own material, own I stuff. think. Uh -huh. yeah. Does he, do you get any other ideas from um, other artists um, and or their music? You know, do you sit and listen to anything in particular at any special time? I think we basically all like the same sort of thing, mm -hmm. although there might be a few different cassettes that, you know, Herm's got to Les or whatever. Or, yeah. You know, but basically we all like the same sort of music, which is virtually right. rock and roll. Is there ever any time, um, a lot of groups have broken up at the height of their success, any ever any time when you thought you'd just like to give it all away? Today. <laughs> Even the band. <laughs> you can see why, actually. I, I remember um, <laughs> some time ago when... Uh, a couple of other name groups sort of split up and you say, oh, gee, they're going to be fools to break up, you know, the peak of their career. But really, the more involved in the business you get and perhaps the more successful and the more debt you incur and the, the more, you know, problems you get with uh, things like your record company and so on and so on and so on. The mm -hmm. list is just unending. And I can see a person being driven by frustration into giving it up. But... Um, what, what are you laughing at? Ted's laughing at your face, so you can't mm. see him. I just no, it's a, radio it's sort of a funny line, but uh, we have um, often uh, have little arguments and that, but we never sort of think about splitting up if that's what you mean. What would you do if it, it ever happened? Would you? Well, Gaz would get a fish and chip shop. Yeah, yeah. Gaz would get a fish and chip shop. I get a jackknife. <laughs> <laughs> Where to from here? Um, what can we look forward to for the rest of the year and for next year for TMG as it is at the moment then? Um, well, depending on what happens with this single we've got out at the moment, depending on how long it's going to mm -hmm. be in the chart at all, um, will depend on whether another single comes out before the end of the year. Mm -hmm. um, if it dies in the clacker soon, uh, we'll, we'll have to put out another one. It's got two chances actually, but why the double A side? Was it just because you liked both the songs and couldn't Yeah, decide? right. A lot of stations that had played the album, mm -hmm. um, there was people saying, uh, we like this one, we like that one, this one, that one. And those two sort of came up pretty heavily in the conversation. And um, we just didn't know which to put as the A side or the B side, so... Made the both A sides. Yeah. We hope the tour does go well for you. Thanks for talking to us, Herman, Gary, Les and Ted from TMG. Thanks, Thanks on record, TMG, it's it's easy to see they've had so many hits, and it's it's there for everyone to see. From number one hits, every every album that they put out, they made the charts with. But one of the most iconic bits of footage is with TMG playing on the floating stage in mm. Sydney Harbour. You've got the girls leaping into the 1976, water. Nineteen seventy six, that was. And yeah. you know. 
that sums up the the period, you know. Like today, the today's security and everything oh, goes on. You, you wouldn't get a hundred meters in, in no. to the harbour side. But, no, you wouldn't get near it. But just to yeah, to see the guys and that's you know the the I think it was the opening of the opera house. Or yeah, something, it was something like, like that. that. I mean, yeah. I think on that day, John Paul Young played because uh, you see sometimes you'll you'll see a film clip of John singing. I hate the music. That's and right. In a yeah. sailor suit. That's right. It was on the yes. same pontoon as they yeah. called it. And there was other bands, and I can't even think of all the other bands well, that were ACDC on. Well, ACDC was on the on the bill. Billy Thorpe was on the bill right. as well. So big names. But exactly. And but TMG is it's they're the ones that people remember on that pontoon on that because pontoon. of their yep, yeah. yeah. And there's one girl in particular who you see sort of being fished out of the water, she comes to the shows now. Okay, yeah, right? yeah. Uh, so I hope you're listening, Di Fenwick. Um, she, um, yeah, she was one of the girls in the water. Well, I'm sure she's glad that she dived in. Absolutely. Because there might have been a moment where she's thinking, should I or shouldn't I? And, <laughs> and she's, she's not it. the type of thing whether she should or not. So just she <laughs> just went in head first. Yeah, yeah. Sharks or no sharks. <laughs> So the next album released by TMG is Disturbing the Peace. And there's another two hit singles on this. Lazy Eyes. And that's a great song still because we have actually have the film clip going behind us when we're playing. So the, the actual film where, where the, um, Ted gets married to the horse, basically, in the film <laughs> clip, you know, he pulls the veil back and it's a horse's head, you know. But, you and know, again, that shows his humour, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, again, again, it's, it's a tongue-in-cheek, you know, fun-loving band, yeah. you know. And, uh, but that's a great song. I love it. Lazy Eyes has really a, a, got a country feel to it. You know, it's really a, a country song. So that they, they delved into reggae, rock, Pop, jazz, which ended up being a rock song that was um, Dark Tan Strutters, and country. So they really did a lot of, um, they really delved into different areas. And to, again, to that record buying public, they're, they're putting a record on and they don't know what they're going to get. Ted's taking, or TMG's taking them on a journey. Correct. And that's what you want. You, that's it. You don't want to put something on and yeah. know exactly what you're getting before you get it. That's right. As we said, lazy eyes. But then on the other side of the spectrum, you've got Heart of Stone, yeah. which it just rocks. That's a that's a that, again that's a rock a rock song with harmonies and melody. Yep. You know, again, it's not just a straight ahead rock song. It has substance. It has, as I said, the harmonies in it are great. You know, and, and uh, Gary and I harmonise on stage on that song. Like, fortunately, Gary's a good, really good singer. You know. Um, and a song, everybody, every, so many people come to the shows and go, oh, I forgot about that one. Oh, I forgot about that one. You know, uh, but they realise at the end of it how many hit songs or songs charted that they had forgotten, but that now they remember. They go, that, that's amazing. How many, every song is almost a radio song yep. in the whole set that we do. 
So the last TMG album on Mushroom is Locked In, and it features some great songs. My favourite album, I might add. Is it? Okay, yep. Well, it starts to give it a um, a more modern sound. Yes. Yeah. It's... That was 1980 that album came out. Okay, yep. Uh, the producer was a guy called Eddie Leonetti, and um, he did a lot of overlays. It, the only thing I, only thing I find now... I don't like about it is some of the sound of the album. I think the songs are good, but there was a lot of the overlaying and he, he, he took out things that should have been there and put things in extra things that shouldn't okay. have been. And the production was, was big, you know, big drum sounds. And instead of it being, you know, without all the echo, extra echoes and stuff like that. Funnily enough, Hermes actually stripped it all back, Herm Kovac in his studio, stripped it all back and added back the things that were brought down too much. Right. And it's sounding really good at the moment. Um, but those songs are fantastic, I think. And yeah, there's some great songs on there. Save Me. Yeah, great song. Love the songs on that album. Um, it was a new style as well. Like Ted's playing was again a different level on that album. Uh, his bass playing. Well, he's just not hitting one note, on, you know, an open E string or anything like that, <laughs> is right. he? Like he's nah. he's playing a, he's playing. a lead type. Bass. That's right. There's a lot of lot of good bass lines in that on that album. Fast forward to 1990, and TMG released the reunion album. And another great single on that is "Old Habits," and it yeah. sounds like uh, Ted's getting a bit of uh, getting a bit of something off his chest with that yeah, song. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Um, um, 
wouldn't call it angst, but um, yeah, he, he um, you know, things build up in the industry. Uh, no matter what industry you're in, you be in your own job and things are going to annoy you. Yeah. You know, and uh, sometimes you've got to get it off your chest. And yeah, that song's a little bit like that, you know. Um, but old habits do die hard. <laughs> yes. <when that's- laughs> So in 2000, you said uh, uh, Ted was diagnosed. He had throat cancer. Ted actually had, um, okay, they couldn't find out what it was to start with and uh, it took him a little bit of time with tests. But it, what it was, it was a tumour on his adrenal gland and the adrenal gland is near your kidney, um, 
one side of your, of your kidney, of your body, on uh, just above the kidney. Right. Okay. And uh, what it was, it was a five centimeter tumor. I don't know why it took them so long to find it, but I'm not having to go at anyone. Yeah. Um, and so, so no, it wasn't throat. So uh, they went in there, cut that out, and then hit him with um, chemo and radiotherapy. They really hit him hard with that. Unfortunately, ca- cancer is a funny thing. Um, not ha- funny, hard, but just a funny, peculiar thing where you cut into the body, it goes, holy crap, what's happening to me? Somebody's trying to get me. Yep. And it will spread. It, and and um, it then spread and went to his brain. So then they found a tumour in the brain. So they had to go in there, take that out um, and uh, staple him back up, you know, and keep hitting him with chemo. The problem was with the chemo, um, the way that the chemo affected him was that he, when he went to eat, the, the food tasted so strong, like the, so many times stronger than normal. He, he had difficulty trying to eat it. He ended up, the few things that it, well, one thing particularly he could eat was custard because it was nice and smooth and calming. It didn't burn, didn't, you know. Yep. So he could eat custard and that sort of kept him going for a while. But over the period of time, the cancer spread everywhere else as well and it was, you know, the chemo wasn't wasn't um, doing anything really in the long run. But as a matter of fact, he really died of malnutrition because he couldn't eat. So in actual fact, yes, it was the cancer that started the ball rolling, the chemo attacking the cancer which prevented him from eating and then the lack of nutrition from not being able to eat. Really, that's what, what that's why he died. Of course, it, the, the official word is cancer. So it was the start and then it's, yeah, it, it brought everything else to it. Yeah, the like one thing yeah. led to another. You know, you fix one thing and it causes something else. You try and fix something, it causes something else by trying to fix that. So, uh, yes, he died the day before his 54th birthday. And 54, it's so young. It's just, yeah. it's crazy. Younger than me. Yeah, yeah. You know, than I am now. And and you think about it too and it's, you, you don't know, well, you, no one can choose which way they go or whatnot, but mm. Obviously, Ted Ted knew that he was heading south and, mm. and things weren't well, but the way that the rock community or the music community in Australia rallied around mm. him, that must have given him so so much, uh, such a good feeling. And I know the, the good feeling's not going to overtake the the pain and the suffering no, that he was going but through. but it helps. Yeah, but to see, to see your friends and the people around you yeah. saying, well, you mean this much to us. Yep. Yeah. And it was a big one too. That, that went for two nights, and that, and I mean, I was there for both nights. I played on both nights, and it was. I don't even know if I fully understood it at the time myself, how big and important those shows were, just in community, like the rock and roll, the music community, pulling that hard together. You know, I don't even think I realised at the time how massive that undertaking was. That everybody became available at that time. Yep, was, and that's huge. Isn't it, it was yep. huge. Unfortunately, a lot of the artists. When I say a lot, quite a number of those artists are no longer with us either. Who played at that concert? John English, for instance. You know, um, Jim Keys, um, Dale Cotton. I think was there. Um, you know, there was there's quite a number of them. Doc, well, Doc wasn't there. Sorry, but. Um, 
at the time. He wasn't in the Angels. He was not well himself at the time. I think he had a car accident and yeah. wasn't well. Um, but, you know, it was a great rally of well-known Australian artists that got together on those two nights. Did Ted ever speak to you uh, about how much this meant to him that these these people were were doing, or was just it was obvious? I think it was obvious. No, we didn't really actually speak about it. I mean, what was great at the back of the of the um, for the two nights at the back of the the venue, which um, was called City Live at the time. I think it's called the Manning Bar now. I think it's Manning Bar, uh, but it was called City Live. They had a, a shed at the back called Ted's Shed. And people were lined up to see him. And these were really like you had to get to have a VIP ticket to go in there. Do you know yep. what I mean? And These were fellow icons of Australian yeah, music. Yeah, a lot of yep. them were just, you know, uh, uh, Pauline Hansen lined up okay. to yep. go and see him. Because yep. she remembered as, when she was younger at high school, where TMG used to play in Ipswich at her high school. Do you know what I mean? Yep. She was a big fan. And so, so different people came along. And um, I think the joy that brought him, you know, People coming to see him and and wish him well and and wanted photos with him and I mean he wasn't looking too good too well at the time you know but he still had everybody come in and say hi and he was still Ted he was still Ted you know yeah and um uh yeah I think that meant an awful lot to him I mean he lasted another six months after that I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if that helped him live longer to be honest uh, because it was really the cancer was really doing a job on him um, and. Uh, no, we didn't really speak about that. We didn't. We just spoke about whenever we saw each other. We, you know, I'd go to the hospital to see him or at his place to see him. You know, being cared for at his place. He even was cared for at mum's for a while. He wanted to come home, and mum looked after him for a while. You know, and uh, yeah, he'd. Um, we'd just talk normal about things. You know, um, everything was upbeat always. Uh, he was always upbeat. I was always upbeat. That's the way we are. Um, always looking on the positive side, and so th- there was at one time when he was in a hospital that he d- he, he we talked about something, and I, I I was I was the last one to leave the room, and I said, "Well, look, I'll I'll see I'll see you soon, come back soon." And he he, he looked at me, and it was <laughs> a look I hadn't seen before. It was like a, a sort of a look of, "Well, let's hope so." So he 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 knew there wasn't a lot a long time left. You okay. Know? Yep. And um, and I, that look has stayed with me. It bothered me when I left that that day. Uh, and we did get to see each other again, but it, it's always I've always thought about that. He knew it wasn't going well. Um, and uh, yeah, I wish he was still here. Yeah, well, and the music side of things, one thing, but to you, he's your brother, and, yeah. and to your mum, it's her son. You know, so. The music is one side of things, but family is is the other side. But yeah, I, I suppose uh, once once Ted did pass, that the the love and the outpouring of emotion that you seen that he he received yeah. must have been a, a, a great positivity for for the family in, in such oh, a such sure. a horrible time. Yeah, it wasn't just because he was a musician that he put out some great songs. No, because he was a great he, person. Exactly, if he was yeah. a jerk, no one would have cared That's anyway. Right. So yeah. Everybody would have still said nice things on the day. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, he he really did have some good friends, and people did think highly of him. And uh, that that uh, you know, particularly on the day of the funeral, uh, St Andrews uh, 
It was at St Andrew's Cathedral and George Street in Sydney. And the place was chockers. It was, um, you know, like, you, you know, you probably don't take that in either on the day, you know. But there's just so many people. And, you know, John Swan was there. You know, Swanee and his brother Jimmy Barnes was there. And there's all these other musicians. That I saw later, you know, go, oh, how you going? How you going? You know, outside, you know, I was one of the pallbearers. And you walk out and you see all these faces as you're carrying the casket out, you know. And uh, it was great that everybody... So many of them were willing to come out and be there for the day. And pay tribute to Ted. Pay tribute, yeah. Yep. And I thought it was fantastic. Well, let's get on to something that's not so... so <laughs> Sombre. Sombre and down, and but it's unfortunately part of the, the Ted yeah, Mowry story. Death is a part of life. Exactly, yep. It's um, something that we can't avoid. The ARIA Hall of Fame, you know, it's it's been discussed that Ted's not there or TMG's not there. Yep. And neither Ted or yep. TMG. Yes, and right. it's it, in the end, it's a disgrace. You know, yeah. Australian music has has a certain amount of certain number of cultural icons along the way, and TMG and Ted was one of the icons. You can't dispute that. No, with, with, with the chart success, this just you know the songwriting, the touring, like they weren't just a flash in a pan. Oh, nothing against George and Harry. <laughs> they weren't just a you know an overnight thing. Yep. People, some people think they were just two songs, you know, but they weren't. As you've already spoken, there was hit after hit that hit made the charts, album after album, tour after tour. They worked hard and had some good songs. And uh, I think yes, they are a cultural icon for Australia. Well, anybody listening, there's the ARIA board members. Get in touch with them. Send them. Send them an email. Let them know what you think. Because the only way it's going to change if the the fans and and the loyal fans keep yeah. pushing and keep, keep pushing. pushing. Yeah. And you know, there's there was days where I I thought that someone like Johnny O'Keefe would would never be remembered. But then then all of a sudden the, the stage show shout comes out yeah. and, and things like that. So all of a sudden people start to take notice and yeah. and you know they give them their their place and their that they richly deserve and TMG is is a band that definitely needs to be in the ARIA Hall of Fame. Yeah. And so as I said, I urge anyone if you take 5 minutes if you're listening at work now, jump on the website, send an email and yeah. you know no need to be abusive. No, no, be, you've got to be nice <laughs> about be it. Nice, you know, you, you got to be nice, yeah. You're nice about it. You get more uh, you catch more flies with uh, honey than vinegar. Yeah. So but yeah, you know just just drop them an email, you know, and just dropping in here again, guys. The email is aria.mail at aria.com.au. That's aria.mail at aria.com.au. If you agree with me and you think Ted should be in the ARIA Hall of Fame, just drop him a line, let him know. Let's just keep the pressure on and hopefully we can right this wrong. That's the beautiful part of an email. You can put your, doesn't your thoughts down. Doesn't take much down. to do. No, it doesn't take much to do. Yeah. And, you know, the old days we have to put a, a stamp on a, an envelope and find a post box. It's so much easier Yeah, now. so much easier these days. So, yeah. But send, it's also easy not to do it. Yeah, exactly. But do it. it. Just do it. Thank you very much for your time. This, You're welcome. This um, podcast is, again, about people who have contributed to the music of Australia. And Ted Mulray and the Ted Mulray gang is 
is an icon of Australia. That's M-U-L-R-Y, Mulry. Yes. Well, th- exactly. Well, it's I'm sure that became confusing when Doug came Doug, along. Doug, yeah, yeah. But Ted was the first Mulry, That's not the right. Mulray. That's so, right. Yeah. I'm sure uh, when they were riding back in England in convict days or whatever, <laughs> you probably came from the same stocks Oh, look, I'm sure. I think they all got off that boat Noah was piloting. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's all right. Yeah, that's right. We all come from the same place, obviously, at some <laughs> stage. But uh, he just doesn't know how to spell his name. He just puts an A in there. You know, well, Doug, where where just, is Doug these days? Uh, I anyway, don't know. So. <laughs> he's done well, though. Well, he has done well. And and again, he's, we talk about icons in Australia. He's another he one. Was another, that, he was a definite exactly, icon. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, yet, uh, loyal fans of TMG, keep the music rocking. And uh, and you guys jump on the uh, the website. We're on Facebook. Um, yeah, just just um, have a look. Become fans of the of the Facebook. There's a Facebook group and a and a Facebook page. The pages are like page. You can see all the stuff that we're doing these days. And of course, the Facebook group you can ask to join. And if you've got photos or anything you you want to put on there, uh, the admins I'm sure will will you know let most of it go on. We've listened to the music today, but seeing you guys live is where it's at. So, you know, I encourage everyone to jump on the website and, and you've got a swag of shows and you're constantly booking shows. Yeah. So We have a tour starting in February, actually, with John Coglin. John Coglin was the drummer from Status Quo. Okay, yep. And um, he's got his band from England, uh, which are called John Coglin's Quo, and they're coming out here to tour from February next year, and we're on tour with them Um and on some of those shows, there's also another band from the late 70s, early 80s called um, Taste. Uh, they're on as well uh, on most of the sh- same shows yep. with us. So that should be uh, – we're looking forward to that. It's all around Australia, uh, starting in Western Australia. I'll get out and rock on. Check it out. Thanks, Steve. Cheers, mate. Take care, Sheldon. That was a deep interview, and I really appreciate Steve for his honesty and openness. It got heavy at times, but sadly, that's part of the Ted Maury story. Ted may not be with us, however, his music lives on, and I think it's only fitting we leave the last word to Ted and TMG.
Thanks for listening and thanks to Steve for your time. And of course, thanks to Ted and TMG for the music. If you enjoyed the episode, please click subscribe. And if you could leave a review or rating at iTunes, that would be unreal. If you have any guest requests or suggestions, you can email me at mycoast2 at bigpond.com. That's M-Y-C-O-A-S-T, the number two, at bigpond.com. Or like our Facebook page at All Australian Music Stories. I'd like to thank you again for listening, and I hope you enjoyed the episode as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you. And until next time, hail, hail, Australian rock and roll. Hi, this is Molly. You've just listened to a podcast brought to you by Marcos Promotions. Written, produced and presented by my dad, Sheldon the Kangaroo Kid. This is Molly Kidd saying to my good friend, Holly Kirsten, Hit it, girl! Hey, my friends, I've got some